Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. All right, final week. Colts offseason program is here. It is a mandatory three-day minicamp. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll recap uh, the final open OTA that I saw last week and obviously get into the Isaiah Rogers situation. Uh, Kevin Bowen here, Eddie Garrison as always. Uh, you're listening to Kevin's Corner. Appreciate you guys checking us out. Uh, Zaire Franklin interview, Eddie. Sure, are we tossing that in here? Yes, I thought that was really good. It's was, it was a longer interview, but oh man, it's he's just one of the better guys to talk to. Yeah, he's he just a very gets good it, man. Yeah, he, he gets it. We caught up with Zaire last Tuesday. This is right after the Rodgers stuff broke, and so you know, kind of shout out to the Colts for allowing Zaire still to come on and then for Zaire to have handled those questions and we asked him a lot of stuff non-Rodgers related non-gambling related I thought he was terrific as always and to me Eddie he's your new he's your vocal leader Mm -hmm. on that football team right now I just think you know it's kind of crazy how he has emerged here over the last 12 months but from a purely vocal standpoint um, I think he is that so I hope you guys enjoyed that we'll play that coming up a little bit later on the pod I guess just to clarify because I think it can get kind of weird with OTA and minicamp and veteran you know all of that Eddie basically the only difference from this week versus previous weeks in this offseason program mm-hmm. is the mandatory label and you know the open OTA sessions that we're out there for Eddie participation is 99% I mean it's it's not like anyone is no one is Saquon Barkley this week no one is Kenny Mooring from last year. Where guys, there were some guys that sit out. Or even like a Yanni Kangakwe, hey, I go train in Florida. Or, you know, Reggie and Edge, I think, did that at times back in the day. Of They train somewhere else in the offseason. I, I mean, I take a role every time I'm out there. And again, I can't think of anybody that has been out there or that has not been out there, certainly from a prominent standpoint. So it's still no pads. Um, this is how training camp will look like for the first three or four days from a, from a no-pad standpoint. Uh, rookies and vets are together, just like they have been for these last three weeks of OTA. So nothing is different outside of you need to raise your hand for the substitute teacher. Are you here? Yes. Would you have kids that would just say their name and then their friend wouldn't be there and the teacher would mark them down as they were here? Or was that uh, not happening in Decatur Township? No, uh, I Probably did happen, but I not in my classes. Not, not with Eddie Garrison, no. No. No way, shape, or form. No. Uh, so that's it, Eddie. That, I mean, that, that's it about this week. Break for a month and a half. Let's get a training camp schedule, and let's do it all at Grand Park. Are these um, available to the media, the mandatory? These are. So I guess that's the next thing. And you know what? Let's let's change it up. Let's start with actually the recap of last week's OTA instead of getting into Isaiah Rogers first, because I think this leads right into it. Eddie, last Wednesday we're out there, and Gardner Minshew once again takes every starting rep. So it's the second straight OTA that we've been there. And just to remind everybody, we go to one a week. They typically have three or four in a week. We go to one of them. Richardson took, I think, a little bit more than Minshew the first week. Minshew took all of them week two. Minshew again took all of them last Wednesday when we're out there. 
So I asked Shane Sykin after the OTA, hey, you know, are you still splitting reps? I mean, we watch one day a week, so we're not out there for 50% of the days or even 100% of the days, of course. And he said, no, um, we're still splitting. You, you know, for those that come out tomorrow, if you would, if you were allowed to come out tomorrow, it could be Anthony taking all the starting reps. So at this point, and again, I'm not saying sitting here saying like the Colts are hiding Richardson from us. Like, but if they wanted to, they could. Like, and they are. If they, if they were, uh, yeah, and and yeah, if they were, they they you could say they are. I, again, I will take them at their word right now, and also starting tomorrow, you can't hide. We watch every mini camp practice, so all three of these, and then once training camp starts, we'll watch every practice till training camp ends. So for three weeks, four weeks, however long training camp is, you know we're gonna watch. You tackle on the three. Um, Many camp practices here. I mean, we're going to watch what fifteen straight, twenty straight practices between now and late August. Mm-hmm. So there will be no more, you know, hiding in any of that. And I've tried to preface on this podcast or even in the written work, you know, flashing caps. We only get to watch one a week, so I want to throw in that context before we get into these things. So again, when we're talking about last Wednesday, we watched just Gardner Minshew take the starting rep. Is that an NFL policy? Or is that by team? I think teams can script their spring however they would like to. I believe that is true on that. I think you're supposed to have some availability to it. Now, again, training camp, the Colts allow their media to watch every single day and their fans to watch every single day. That uh-huh. is certainly not the norm. Most NFL teams Rare air. are very strict. Upper quartile of availability yep. in training camp. And I say that in all seriousness. So shout out to the Colts for that. And I do think the Colts have always had a great feel for you know, being in a smaller market and realizing that it makes sense mm-hmm. to go ahead and do that. Certainly the facility of Grand Park helps a whole lot with that. Um, so I guess let's go to last Wednesday. Minshew, typical Minshew. Um, solid. Um, you know, he's been pretty accurate in the days that we've been out there. Um, nothing too out of the ordinary there. He did miss, I think it was dueling in the end zone to kind of cap a one-minute drill. They ended practice Minshew did with the starters, Richardson did with the second unit. Down seven, minute six, minute seven to go on the clock. You got to score a touchdown. Minshew one hop, one to Doolin in trying to score there at the end. Um, so that was pretty much the main stuff from Gardner. I think he was like five of seven or six of eight or something, you know, pretty solid. Uh, nothing too crazy. Richardson on the other end, I thought it was the most volatile we've seen him so far in the handful of sessions the biggest high was a absolutely perfect corner route at least 40 yards in the air probably closer to 50 maybe even 60 we, we, we don't have a great angle so it's kind of hard to see exactly where the yard lines are but just in stride to Bouchard Perriman who caught it boom boom out of bounds I mean Nick Cross was beaten on the play and just a great great ball from Richardson right to Perriman the newcomer for the big play the lowest point then came in that final, like I just mentioned, the final 11-on-11 drill of practice, the one minute to score a touchdown. He was 3-of-7 in that period. Tony Brown dropped two interceptions in the period, and the one of the other incompletions was a rollout to the right where he also kind of threw a grounder. I forget who was open in the end zone, but he kind of threw a grounder into the end zone. So... Um, you know, Shane Sagan mentioned after practice, red zone for a rookie quarterback is probably the biggest thing that you 
um, you know, need to try and figure out, and it could be very difficult to try and figure that out. Um, but that was, I would say, the moment really where it was very rookie high and lowish from Richardson last week. So, you know, he threw a ball probably midway through that possession that, again, Tony Brown should have picked off. And something that I like to see from quarterbacks in general, particularly young ones, is, okay, you just threw a ball that either was picked off or nearly picked off. How do you respond? Yep. The very next pass, he then threw a beautiful kind of timing comeback route where I think it was Malik Turner. You almost had to throw it to a spot. Yeah. And it, it was an out route that it's one of those where, like, you've probably seen corners jump it. Uh, prior and, and you know maybe turn that into a pick six and Richardson threw it definitely before Turner was out of his break perfect on the money to him Tracy Completion. Porter uh, yeah slightly different route but yes way to way to bring that up for uh, for Colts fans here on this Monday morning uh, but it, it was a nice kind of response from a near pick now obviously end of the session with another near pick uh, that that Tony Brown dropped so most volatile again that I've seen Richardson in the. Dating back to rookie minicamp, I guess I've seen him probably five times now in team sessions. So, uh, the beauty of all of this, Eddie, is tomorrow starts a stretch again of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, et cetera, et cetera, ten straight practice days, and now you can formulate kind of consistent opinions on everybody, but in particular on you know Richardson and these quarterbacks, because as of right now, you know we get them for a day, and then three or four practices go by, and then we get them again. So. Just a little bit of inconsistency with with the thought process. You know, you'll feel a little bit more confident, or at least I will feel a little bit more confident on that end. Um, I do think a general bummer for Minshew and Richardson this spring, Eddie, has been the guys they they're throwing balls to. Let me read off the list of pass catchers on Wednesday's practice. Okay, this is a rough sketch, but I think it's pretty close to all their completions. Zach Moss, four receptions. Kylan Granson, two. Mike Strawn, three. Vincent Smith, two. Evan Hall, one. Nikola Kalinich, don't know if he's re- related to Jokic, one. Brashard Perriman, one. Malik Turner, three. Mo Cox, two. Kalinich is back? I thought they released him. Or was this prior to the release? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think he's back. 48, I believe. 49. Maybe it was Caden Smith. Um, again, shows you where we're at w- with the roster right now. Yeah. No Michael Pittman, no Alec Pierce, no Josh Downs. I mean, that's wide receiver one, two, and three for the three open OTAs that we've been out there. No RB1 either. Uh, correct. No, no no Jonathan Taylor. If you want to get into tight ends, you know you can debate where Jelani Woods is on the depth chart. He hasn't been out there. Neither has uh, Drew Ogletree uh, or Will Mallory. So it's unfortunate. You know, when you think about Minshew and Richardson, both new here, um, you haven't been able to get on the same page with those guys. Now, again, I don't think it's not like any of these guys are in – a brace on the sidelines. I mean, hell, Ogletree, you know, looks very much like a guy coming back from an ACL a month out. Like, you kind of watch him and you're like, man, he looks good. You know, but they obviously wait till the last, last minute to f- give them kind of that full clearance. But you're looking at no wide receiver, one, two, three. You're tight end, probably one or two, however you want to slot Woods. And then, like, your fourth or fifth tight end in a very jumbled tight end room. Yep. Uh, so that has been, I think, a really unfortunate event. How healthy you've been O-line and D-line this spring, you've been the opposite wide receiver and tight end. Um, so I, I think that has been just an unfortunate event here in the spring. Uh, I would say last thing that I have on the OTAs, Eddie, and feel free to chime in with anything on that. And this is a little bit more Isaiah Rogers. 
related. I crunched some numbers on the cornerback group from last year to this year. Last year, your cornerbacks played 2,019 snaps, okay? Excuse me. They are now missing, I should say, 2,019 snaps from last year. They are returning 947. So they played about 3,000 snaps of corner snaps last year. And like 700 of that is Kenny Moore, right? 2,000 are gone. 947 is returning. Yes, Eddie. 773 is Kenny Moore. 174. So the other snaps are all Dallas Flowers, and he didn't start until December. He didn't even get on the field. Mm Mm-hmm. Until December of last year. So Gilmore with over 1,100, gone. Brandon Faison with 455, gone. Isaiah Rogers, 430, massive question mark. Um, obviously a lot of debate on what is going to happen with Rogers and the punishment. And if our podcast has any doing, they'll probably announce that here in like 30 minutes afterward. Yeah. Done recording with how the Rogers news broke last week. But what do you do at corner? You know, right now, I would say a little bit of a disappointment here this spring from an injury standpoint, and I say this a little selfishly because I think he's got a bright future, has also been we haven't seen Darius Rush either the last two weeks. So we know Juju Brents was out all spring. That was known once they drafted him, and he has not been able to participate this spring due to that wrist injury. But Darius Rush did participate in the rookie minicam, did participate in the first week of OTAs. He had that pick six, I think, of Ellinger in a seven-on-seven when we were out there the first week. Uh, But now he hasn't been out there. So the guys that are benefiting the most right now from all of these injuries and the Isaiah Rogers thing, first off, Kenny Moore. (laughs) Like, duh. Dallas Flowers is now a Sharpie in starter Mm -hmm. here in the spring. We'll see how that continues in camp. Obviously, if Isaiah Rogers is gone, you would think Dallas Flowers keeps his starting job, and the other one is now just wide open. But who knows? Um, And then the other couple names I think you got to write down would be Tony Brown a name that I brought up a little bit earlier, and the other name would be Daryl Baker Jr. Now, both of these guys in Brown and Baker have played in the league. Um, Not extensive, but have definitely played in the league. But they have benefited the most from your second-round rookie, your fifth-round rookie being out, and then Isaiah Rogers, who, for what it's worth, he was not participating in the team activities the first couple weeks of OTAs. I don't think it was related to this because he was out there, whereas last Wednesday he wasn't even out there. Um, but they have benefited the most. Now, again, I'm not one that goes down the free agent path at this position because I believe if the position does not directly support Richardson right now, play the youth. That's where I'm at with this season. Um, I wouldn't say that every year, but I'm saying that here in the 2023 life that you live if you are the Colts football team. But it is wild, Eddie, to go back and look at the total snaps from last year. Over 2,000 gone at corner. So pretty much two-thirds gone. Kenny Moore makes up 773 of the 947. And Eddie, as we said a few weeks back, Kenny Moore was probably the most disappointing player on the football team last year. Yep. And then Dallas Flowers has the rest, and he didn't play until December. It's pretty rare in the NFL you see a position that decimated by a variety of things Mm -hmm. in one offseason. But that's where you're at, especially when, outside of Faison, it's not like any of these guys were free agents. Now, you traded away Gilmore in the Isaiah Rogers situation. We'll obviously see how that plays out. But it is pretty wild to look at corner and look at how much turnover you've had 
since last season. For those uh, who were commenting yesterday about or last week about an emergency pod, we just decided not to do it because we didn't know the full extent of what was going on. So Yeah, and it's obviously a very noteworthy item that we can go ahead and transition to now, Eddie, but you know, at the time I was like, you know what, let's wait till we get confirmation. I had I mean, you and I actually traded some text and I won't say who I thought the other player might have been because that's totally unfair. But when I saw the headline the first one of the two names that popped in my head was Rogers. Yep. Um, and you know, is he a fringe starter? Yeah, certainly. But I was hoping we'd get some clarity on length of punishment. We, of course, have not done that. So now I feel like, all right, let's go ahead and come back with another pot on it and we can discuss more of the Rogers situation now. Um, it, it's really hard for me, Eddie to get around anything other than just stupidity. Yes. Um, is the NFL in bed with gambling companies? Without question. Um, are there rules at our offices or our respective work that make zero sense to us? Without a doubt. Yep. We, all, we, all, we all have those rules. Um, but you abide by them. And we all were 23 or 24 years old at one point and all probably thought we were a bit bulletproof. And, you know, we're going to toe the line on that. But the amount of risk that was taken here in these, we'll go off the report because that's all we have right now, in these 25 to $50 bets, and again, bet on your own team. This wasn't Jameson Williams where he's betting on Alabama football at the team hotel for the Lions, and that's how he got his six-gamer. I mean, if you believe the reports, this is on the Colts. And to me, I mean, for or against it, you could look at four one and two ways. You could either say he's the most loyal teammate ever, or he's the stupidest teammate ever, and then he was betting for the Colts last season. Um, I wonder if he put a halftime uh, money line bet on Minnesota. <laughs> he was playing in that game, right? But he was not on the field for the Hail Mary against the Texans. Correct. I know a lot of people were were, were quick to point out, you know, well, okay, let's point to actual plays on the field. He started nine games. He played fifteen. He was hurt for the last two. That was his season last year. Um, for, for the last two um you know there's so many places to go i think you release them that's my opinion um it, it's hard for me to get past a what he risked here and this is a guy eddie if we would have made a list last week of the top five colts that have the best opportunity for their nfl careers Heading into this season, you would have put Rodgers near or atop the list. Yeah. Because think about it. You're a six round pick. Think about the six round picks in the Chris Ballard era. Who's left? Ellinger? Yeah. Gary Green, Jordan Glasgow, Deion Kane, Desmond Patman. I mean, six round picks just don't pan out. Here's a six round pick that's made it to his final year of his rookie contract, where if you look at how six round picks are from a contractual standpoint, the first three years in the league, you pretty much make less than a million each year. And then you rise big time in that final year. They're saying, hey, if you make it to year four, you, you've you done something, even though you're still on that rookie deal. So his contract was, or I should say is, scheduled to rise north of two million this season. So he's due that. And then, if he just has a adequate season, He's probably re-signing with the Colts for two to three, and I don't know, maybe Gus Bradley looks at his height and says no, but he probably re-signs with the Colts two to three years for, what, 12 to 15 million? Yeah. Something like that? Maybe three years on that end? I mean, that is generational wealth for a dude that has two kids under the age of one. Mm-hmm. 
not to get too much into the personal, but oh my gosh. I mean, you start adding that up and the risk that you're taking for $25 and $50 bets. Yeah. I, I just, I know it's easy from from the cheap seats to, you know, criticize, but listen to his teammates talk about it. You'll hear Zaire Franklin here in a few. Listen to EJ Speed talk about it last week, because I think EJ Speed kind of fits the mold of a very similar guy like Rodgers in that day three pick, small school, how's his career going to go, and obviously Speed has signed that second contract, but Speed just simply, I thought, put it in a very eight-word statement very accurately, it's not worth it, so I just don't gamble. It, it, again, the rules are awkward. They're unfair. You can describe them however you want to. I can totally hear all of those things. But the integrity of the game is at jeopardy when you do this. And so if you're the NFL, you're trying to make money. And the players share in that money. But at the same time, the integrity of the game means more than anything. That's why we love it. And you cannot jeopardize that whatsoever. Um for those that are unfamiliar, and you know, I've talked with people in Detroit because obviously they've had a few more players involved than really any other team in the NFL, basically the rules are this. Don't bet at the facility. The facility includes the plane, the hotel. I think that covers other thing. Maybe a team bus to and from mm-hmm. the game. Uh, don't bet on the NFL, and sure as hell don't bet on your team. You can bet on Alabama football. You can bet. Bet on the Indiana Pacers. UMass, right? Isn't that where Rodgers went? He can bet on UMass. Wait till you get home. Wait till you get home and do that. Um, and the thing is, you know, the report says he has, you know, he was under a different name was on the account. So he clearly knew he was in the wrong. And his statement, we all saw the statement. Does he discredit anything in the initial report? Nope. No. So That's pretty much, yeah, I did it. I'm right, sorry. right. It's just, um, man, seems like a nice dude. Not going to pretend to know him super, super well by any means. Um, obviously, I've, I feel like I've always been pretty high on him as a player, pretty intrigued by him as a player. I love his instincts. Never forget when he was drafted, talking to you know, a few of the Colt scouts, being like, gosh, there's like, and this is early on in that rookie minicamp training camp, I'm like, there's some Kenny Moore feistiness to him. Where he's just a very instinctual player, gets his hands on balls. We saw the plays in Buffalo in that wild card game in his rookie season. Um, he's pretty unique in that. Obviously, it's great for Dallas Flowers, probably more than anybody on the roster, because he helps you out as a kick returner as well. And, and you kind of did that late in the season. It was certainly Juju Brents and Darius Rush, and we mentioned Tony Brown and, and, and Darius Baker as well. Um, I'll be curious to see if they if they sign a veteran corner. You know, this would kind of be the day to do it, Eddie. If you really were like, "Hey, let's get somebody in here for the final three days of the veteran mini camp." Yep. But so far, as we record this late morning, we haven't seen anything on that end. And now that you say that, just wait <laughs> until eleven thirty. You know, I, I've always said this about about the Colts. They they don't appear often at all on that ESPN ticker. They obviously have done that here. And appearing on the ESPN ticker, and now yeah. a very prominent storyline with that. Um, I do think there's an element of you have to send a message if you're Chris Boward. I think we should hear from Chris Boward, by the way, whenever it's time. Shane Steichen wanted no part of it last Tuesday or last Wednesday. I get it. You know, Shane Steichen is going to toe that line a little bit. And granted, I think Colts players have told us more than the head coach has told us. All ball. He is all ball. Uh, but Ballard drafted this guy. 
I mean, by all accounts, this was under Ballard's watch. You know, 2022 season is when these bets were, you would think, placed. Not here, of course, recently. So Sykin's only been here for a couple of months. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's signs in the locker room. Yeah. I, I... It's just wild because the Indiana Gaming Commission is the one that got tipped and then they told the NFL. Right. And I would love to get a little bit more into the details on finding out. And maybe that's more of just kind of my curious mind than anything. Yep. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, you know, there's some geolocation that the Gaming Commission has that would alert of, okay, there are bets being placed at West 56th Street. Okay. Now, who is that number tied to? And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think employees of NFL teams, I think employees of NFL teams can't bet on anything, period. And like their fantasy football leagues have to be less than like 250 bucks or something like that from a prize standpoint. Um, but I, I mean, I run a master's pool each year, Eddie. Yep. And I've got NFL employees that are in the pool. I've got college people that work in college athletic departments that are in the pool, and they all give me fake names. So I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. But like, like there are ways around this. <laughs> like, I, it's it's almost like don't be dumb. You know, it's, it's like the whole getting caught smoking marijuana. Yeah. It's like they almost post on the calendar like a team meeting at three, and oh yeah, you all got to pee in a cup at two thirty. And they send that out two weeks earlier. You know, it's like just you could do this. Just don't be dumb. You know, yeah. trust uh, trust your button boy or girl to send in those bets for you, and then boom, Venmo them groceries. 50 bucks, whatever, you know, to get around it. I, I, I hate to, um, you know, get get into all of that, but I get it. We all were 23 and 24 years old at some point. We all did stuff that was probably stupid, but just the amount of risk that you put on the line by doing this is not worth the reward at all. And, I mean, you've jeopardized generational wealth for yourself and for your family. Yeah. With two young ones. So... We'll see about the punishment. If you bet on NFL games, if you bet on your team, there's no way it can be anything short than a year. And maybe the hammer comes down and it's his career. We have not seen anyone bet on their own team outside of Ridley, right? Ridley really Ridley wasn't playing. Didn't he just Correct. throw the, He was on IR. Yeah. Threw the Falcons in on like some parlays. Yeah. If Rodgers was playing in those games and he bet on his team, for or against, I don't think, we've, I, I don't think he'll play again in the NFL. I would certainly say that if it was against. Against without question. Four, it's still just kind of... Because this is what I get into with four, Eddie. Two things. One, did you bet on them every week? Because what does that say when you're not betting on the team? Does that mean you don't trust the team that week? That pretty much tells me everything that I need to know. Let's hammer the other team. That's true. This week. And I also have always felt this about... And this gets into the murkiness of gambling in the NFL where I thought players would have great intel or just, frankly, any staff members, and you could probably get around it a little bit more than just betting straight money lines and and spreads because, obviously, you need a lot of things to go your way to win a money line bet or to win a spread bet. I mean, it's a team game. There's 11 guys on each side of the ball, et cetera, et cetera. The player props. The player props. You're at practice this week, and you say, dude, we're featuring Alec Pierce a lot. We didn't feature him last week very often. I'm hammering the over this week on his player props. <laughs> or Jonathan Taylor, he ain't practicing. I'm making sure I'm getting Zach Moss. And again, there are some gambling 
sports books out there that obviously hold player props back until the end of the week once they see the final injury report, all those things. But there are some that don't. And so that's the avenue I thought, honestly, Eddie, that you could get a little bit more into this stuff. Yeah. But who knows? We'll see about the details with it all. Um, maybe that's what they also mean when it comes to betting on the Colts. Is like maybe he's betting player props. Yeah. We, we don't know. Yeah, we, we, we don't know exactly what um, the details on these specific bets are. So Briefly here, because this was announced literally probably a half hour after we completed the pod, uh, Rashad Perryman official? Yeah, official. I know we talked a little bit about Perryman last week. Uh, the corner route that you talked about with Richardson probably seems like his uh, that's his role is like the that vertical threat that's a bigger body down the field that's got experience. You know, if there is a best quality to Brashard Perriman's resume, it is that his average yards per catch I think is north of 16 yards, which is a really nice number. Really nice number. Now, they just haven't been many catches in the NFL. I mean, what is it, 33, the highest in a season? That's a first-round pick that his highest catch total was, what, two per game yeah. for, a, for a season? Um, it's interesting. I went on Baltimore Radio right after our podcast last week, Eddie. And, you know, this typically happens. You, you get into these quieter months of the sports calendar. Teams, that, teams like to have opponents beat riders on their respective markets. Yep. So the Colts play the Ravens later this year, so they wanted a Colts perspective on it. And the Paraman news had just broke before that i hadn't put two and two together i had just like oh i'm going on the ravens radio because they want to talk about the colts matchup and they just start the interview off just laughing and joking and being like hey you, you know you ready to build that burchard perriman statue next to you know peyton i'm like what in the world and you know, they baltimore drafted perriman round one yeah so he is there Insert draft bus. He is Bjorn Werner, Philip Dorsett, whatever you want to call it. TJ Leaf. He is the yeah, TJ Leaf. He is their version of that. And Eddie, I mean, we, we follow the Ravens enough. What position has maybe held them back more than any other over the last decade? It's probably been wide receiver, kicker. Oh, so <laughs> oh, kicker. They zero issue there. Um, so it was just a reminder for me of like, and Perriman, I don't even think made it to the end of year two with the Ravens, which is really hard to do for a first round pick. Um, so we'll see. This, to me, is, I think I called it last week, June Scraps. The resume looks like that. June Scraps, more than anything. It's not like he's the 29-year-old wideout that did it at a high level at 23-24, that now the question is, is he still got something left in the tank? Yeah. There's an argument if he ever had any in the tank. So he's got to play special teams for you. And where does he make the roster, Eddie? Start counting wideouts in your head. Pittman, Pierce, Downs, Ashton Doolin, McKenzie. That's five. Do you keep a sixth? I could hear people argue that say tight end's deeper, keep an extra tight end. Who's your sixth wideout? Mike Strawn? Yeah. Ethan Fernia? Special teams, probably what? what? Paramount? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So um, we'll see if the Colts do anything else on the veteran free agent market this week. But in all seriousness, Perriman, great work there uh, last week on the uh, deep ball from Richardson. I uh, just wanted to promote this real quick for those local listeners. I uh, have a golf outing yes. next uh, next month at July Back 9th. July 11th, baby. Yeah. It'll be a nice tournament. Uh, it'll be presented by the Franciscan Health Heart Center. We'll have a silent auction. All proceeds that we raise that day will be uh, – where are the, 
is the American Heart Association. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the back nine is what the entertainment venue is called. It's an awesome place. Think golf, TV. Um, you know, food and drink certainly will be very there. similar to uh, Top Golf. Yeah. Yeah. Very very similar. Just south of downtown here. Just southwest of downtown in in Indianapolis. So more information is on our website. I retweeted the link. I think Monday morning. So if you're looking for more info on that, Cabo and 1070, uh, you can find some info there. Anything else, Eddie Isaiah Rogers related before we move into that Zaire Franklin interview? Uh, no, not for me. Look, this is going to happen with every team in the NFL. To me, there's probably an Isaiah Rogers on every roster, and you would like to think that the clear message has been sent to these players of like, don't do it. And clearly, again, listen to Zaire Franklin right now. Listen to Colts players last week. 98%, 99% of the locker room gets it. Or they're, what's a sports book? What is that? Yeah, yeah. And so, I feel like I've beaten that uh, well underground there with this storyline. So let's play the Zaire Franklin interview. This was Zaire last Tuesday. So the Rogers story broke on Monday night. This is Zaire Franklin on our morning show last week. Eight o'clock. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Clock hour is underway in Indianapolis. My name is Jay Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. As we talked about for the first hour, the, obviously the big story within the Colts is that of Isaiah Rogers, who yesterday um, admitted to, confessed to, issued a statement about the fact that he is the player investigated for gambling by the National Football League. And joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline as part of uh, – actually an arranged and scheduled interview for a couple of days now to talk about OTAs is one of the captains for the Colts, Zaire Franklin. And Zaire, let me begin by saying this. I am well aware of and respect the fact that this is an ongoing investigation. Thus, I think it would be a combination of arrogant and naive on my behalf to expect that you would have some sort of long flowery discussion about it because it would be my assumption you probably can't talk a lot about an ongoing investigation. But since Isaiah Rogers has himself confessed to this essentially and apologized for it last night, I just wanted you to have the opportunity as a captain of the Colts to be able to to make a statement or or just respond, I guess, for the fans there in terms of what you can say about it. Um, yeah. So you know, first off, good morning. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, that was a hell of a song selection, by the way. But um, shout out Mark Dyson. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, as, you know, regarding the situation with Isaiah, um, you know, obviously extremely unfortunate. Um, love Isaiah um, as a teammate, as a as a person. Um, great, great, great man, bro. Um, great father. Uh, and uh, knowing just a genuinely good person. Um, but, you know, made a mistake. And um, I just feel like, you know, as far as, the players go and as far as like this next you know step of the league and the next you know phase of the league with the whole gambling being um you know prevalent um in our game today i just think just the more education um that we can get the more aware we are the more aware of our resources 
um, that available, you know, from the league, from the PA to the players, um, specific guidelines of what's going on. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it's just a really unfortunate situation. Um, obviously, um, we care about him. You know, we hold him tight. Um, you know, he means a lot to us, you know, kind of regardless of how it goes. Um but you know, I, it's just like I said, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. Obviously, it's still an ongoing thing, um, and, and it's just unfortunate to be honest with you. Zaire, I, I do want to move on, but I am curious about the educational process um, and, and what you guys or how you learn about the NFL's gambling policy and things like that. I believe there are some signs in your locker room that kind of indicate, you know, no, no gambling, especially on premise, et cetera, et cetera. What is that process like for you guys in the off season or even in season in, in learning about what the league's uh, gambling policy is? Yeah, so, um, you know, not to really get too much into it, but, um, you know, this year we had a, a meeting uh, with con- with compliance, um, kind of just talking about, uh, you know, the do's and don'ts. Um, you know, I think it was just a lot of gray and maybe a little misunderstanding in some areas, uh, you know, just kind of. Uh, you know, what, like what a sports book is. And, you know, I got guys and nobody even knows what a sports book is. You know what I mean? So, like, just kind of clarifying like stuff like that um, and just kind of talking through the guidelines of, you know, what we can and can't do as professional athletes and as members of the NFL. So um, they're doing their best to get the information out. Obviously, the PA is being very active, um, you know, with our reps coming into the locker room, having those conversations with the entire group and one-on-one combos in the, in the locker room as well. So, um, like I said, it's a new – a new phase it's a new element to the game um and with that new element we gotta you know be conscious of the new guidelines and the new um you know different things that kind of come along with that appreciate you fielding those two shifting gears to where you guys are at right now on june 6th again zaire franklin with us here heading into his sixth season captain for the colts he's with us on the payless liquors hotline zaire um how would you describe maybe the mood right now for you guys on June 6th compared to where it was maybe last January on January 6th? Oh, man. Uh, to be honest, man, it's just more fun, bro. Like, it's, it's hard to even describe. Like, we just really just be having a good time. Um, energy and the practice um, is just – it's just, I don't know, it's just exciting. Um, I think, you know, we got a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that's looking to prove themselves, a lot of, you know, proven guys that's looking to, you know, re-solidify who they are in the league and, and, and to our team. Um, and I, honestly, I just feel like, you know, with everybody counting us out, um, it's funny, you look on TV and you look at all those power rankings and stuff. I remember I'm um, 18 sitting in the lunchroom, uh, TV telling us that, you know, we're terrible, that luck is is, is done. And I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew's walking right behind me drinking a bowl of cereal, I think. <laughs> and we ranked 32. The next thing you know, we went 10 straight. So it's just it's so funny how the league goes. And it's understood, you know, you, you kind of earn the reputation that you have. But I would just say right now, man, we just locked in having fun, just focus on getting better. It's just so much new energy, so much new um, new guys coming, coming in and just really looking forward to, you know, the opportunity to compete again this year. When you go into – like OTAs, for example, Zaire. Zaire Franklin is our guest. How much of that is, and this is going to sound such an elementary question, how much of this time is just about like the bond, if you will, like truly gaining teammates and getting to know one another so that then when it comes time for football action, there is a trust amongst one another? Um, I would say it, it's uh, it plays a big part. Now, obviously, um, 
you know, repetition is king, you know. So as many reps as you can get as a team, as an offense, as a defense, special teams, um, going over the, your schemes, working through different things, obviously is a big thing for the coaches. They're putting in defenses, putting in plays, um, you know, trying to figure out what works, trying to learn about the dynamic and actually the team that we have. So obviously that's priority number one. But I would say, um, you know, a major part of OTAs and something that we really haven't had a chance to really experience for the most part, obviously when coach COVID knocked everything off for a couple years. Um, it's really just, you know, guys just being in a building, you know, kind of getting into that routine early, um, getting acquainted with the city if you knew, um, kind of rebuilding it and reestablishing a routine if you've been around. And like you say, obviously just guys getting together, man. Um, that relationship that you build in the locker room, off the field, um, it can't help but translate over. Um, and I think we've been blessed to have a great locker room. Um, I specifically, you know, our linebacker room and our defense and stuff too. So, um, we're always been very close and obviously just through the ups and downs of things that we're going through, I think that's allowed us to remain strong and tight together. Um, and I think now with just this, you know, burst of new blood and new energy into the building, um, I think it's great for us to be able to just really come together and come to get on one accord and really continue to build each other. Because championships and, 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 and wins, they, they start getting built right now. Um, they don't get built in August. So um, the the, bigger, the sooner you get to it, you know, the faster you get better. You know, from a fan standpoint and media standpoint, there's always curiosity about players coming off injury. I, I get that it's your teammate. I get that you – don't want to interfere with like the rehab of a player because you probably know what that's like as a player. But how much can how much concern I guess is there is about Shaquille Leonard just in terms of your interest level in his rebound because of the fact that not only does it affect your guys' team because he's a great player, but but your core and your room as well. What is the mindset and the approach in that situation? Well, I think you know, and I understand um, you know. I guess your your perspective, you know, from a fan and from a media point, you know, when a guy, you know, has missed games or something like that, how that could, you know, create somewhat of an uneasiness. But I think when you got a guy like Shaq, bro, who comes in and is just so consistent with his level of work and his commitment, his dedication to the game, his dedication to the team, when you got a guy like that, it's almost just like – you know, okay, he's over here. He's taking care of what he got to take care of. We're going to focus on what we focus on and just prepare for him. You know what I mean? Prepare for, you know, when they come back, however he needs to come back, what capacity is. Because when you got a guy that's just constantly taking care of their business, who's always on, who's always going out their way to do extra, who's always going out their way, um, you know, he's, I know he's, you know, flying doctor. He's doing a whole lot of things, really everything he can to, uh, you know, be the best version of himself and be back on the field. When you got a guy that's committed to it like that, I don't really think there's really any concern within the building because um, you see a guy going 110%, you know, going that extra mile um, to do what he needs to do to get on the field. I guess I think you only really have concern when you got a guy that's missing treatment time and stuff like that. If it was something like that, then it's a problem. But, you know, when you got a guy like Shaq who just locked in and he's constantly um, raising the bar even when, you know, um, you know, the, the opinion or whatever is not really, you know, in his favor. I think, uh, you know, we don't even worry about it in the building, to be honest with you. What teammate most intrigues or excites you on the field that you look at and you go, man, I can't wait to see how this guy's going to play? Ooh. Uh, it's, it's a few. It's a few, honestly. Um, you know, I'm really, I really, you know, I love that D line, man. I really think our D line is the most underrated in the league, uh, to be honest with you. 
Um, uh, Samson is a guy that you know I trained with for a couple of years, especially when I was um, you know a rookie of second year. So um, really looking forward to seeing how him and Quiddy match up. Obviously Buck and Grove, um, loving looking forward to seeing how them two uh, take that next step. But um, if I'm really being honest, it's probably it's probably Ar. You know to be honest with you, um, you know he the he he the new shining star in the building. You know everybody. You know he's a guy that everybody's going to pay tickets to see. Um, obviously he's flashed. You know, a ton, um, making a bunch of plays and OTAs. Um, obviously, some highs and lows. It ain't, you know, all perfect. But, um, you know, I think as he continues to grow and continue to build, I think he actually has all the tools to be special. Again, Zaire Franklin with us. Year six for the captain from Syracuse. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. I, I want to hit on Anthony Richardson a little bit more there. Um, you touched on some of your impressions on the practice field. When you get to like a Tuesday and you realize you're facing kind of a dual threat quarterback as a linebacker, as a captain, as a signal caller, what? How does that change your you know thought process during the week versus maybe more of a traditional pocket passer? Oh man, um, it completely changes how you you know look at the game and approach it. Um, like when you have a quarterback who's a true dual threat, um, it's the, the the threat of them you know whether it's a quarterback design run or um, everybody dropping off. You can have perfect coverage. Everybody can be covered. You can see a scheme, know the routes are going to run and, and fit it up perfectly, and then they can scamper for 10, 15 yards. Um, just like that thought and that, that thing in the back of your mind, um, I think it's, it's just that in and of itself is a threat. Um, you know, add it to somebody that's dynamic running the ball like, you know, Anthony or, you know, someone like Lamar or something like that. Um, I think it just brings the entire element to the game. Um, even, you know, in terms of, you know, what not even just design calls, but even as a pocket passer, when you got somebody who's athletic like that, when you're rushing, you understand that there's another element. I got to actually tackle this dude. You know, he's not just like, you know, quote unquote, a statue um, or somebody that you know you can run down. You know, we when we go against uh, running quarterbacks or quarterbacks who are extremely mobile, we got to talk to our D-line. Look, the D-line can't just fly up the field and just go rush because you might create a lane. This dude might be able to step up and whether that's make a throw, a big throw down, down the field or, you know, scramble. Um, for a significant game, and now you got to take somebody out of coverage, or now in your coverage, you you just got that in the back of your mind. Maybe you're not playing this tight man cover, so um, it's definitely a different dynamic. And I think that's why the NFL is uh, moving so much more towards mobile quarterbacks, just because they just bring so much, so much to the game. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'll leave this pretty open-ended because I think your tweet a few weeks ago addressed it uh, pretty accurately, but as someone that got his start on the NFL and entrenching himself as a special teamer, uh, your thoughts on the new kickoff rule? Man, uh... I just think, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to the league, and I, I understand, you know, player safety is obviously number one. Um, progressing our league is obviously priority, uh, a high priority on the league's list. Um, but, you know, I just think, you know, special teams is a major part of the game. Um, we watched playoff games. We watched Super Bowls. We watched, you know, some of the biggest games, some of our favorite games all the time be changed by the dynamic of special teams, whether that's, you know, a kickoff return, whether that's a uh, punt, um, um, or punt return, I think special teams is a major part of the game. And to just maybe move to a part where you're trying to fade 
phase out a part of a game, first of all, um, you're taken away from the game. You know, because at a certain point, I understand every year you got to add rules, every year you got to critique, every year you got to hone in and try to make the game better. But at what point are you actually taken away from, you know, what actually makes the game beautiful in and of itself? Um, you know, I think sometimes it's just, you know, I get we got player safety, but man, this is football, man. You don't you don't see you don't see boxers telling them, oh no, no body shots or you know like no no face shots. You know what I mean? I mean it's a physical game. You know, if we wanted to play two hand touch, you know, <laughs> we could have signed up to do that a long time ago. Um, I think the physical element of a game is a part of what makes the game great. And I understand that you know, obviously with the technology and everything that's coming on, we want to keep everybody safe, but. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I'm just, where I'm from is just, look, if you're scared, go get a dog, you know, but if you, if you ain't scared, go play. That's just, that's just where I'm from. Zaire, I'm curious. Um, or a cat, Jake. You got a cat, right? I do have a cat. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. I had a cat, though. I love cats, too. I'm, I'm, I'm both. Oh, there you go. All right. I, I like that. See, cats are cool. Okay, Zaire, you're, you're a native of Philly. I, I We might have discussed this before. Um I don't remember whether I was at Penn Station or Hoagies and Hops. They're both great. And I'm getting a sandwich, and... Somebody like blasted me for putting ketchup on it, and then I heard that you actually either ketchup or mustard you you are willing to put on a Philly steak and cheese. Now you you, you would be a resident expert on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a violation? I don't think it is to put ketchup on a, a steak and a Philly steak and cheese. Your thoughts? Well, let me first off start by saying uh, my order um, for all those listening. First of all, shout out to Hoagies and Hops. Um, but salt, pepper, ketchup is just a staple. Where I'm from in Philly, salt, pepper, ketchup is just where you start at. So ketchup is is a mainstay. I like mustard. I like mayonnaise. You know, I like sweet peppers every now and then. And I'm obviously going to throw fried onions. That's my order. But I think what people don't understand is the cheesesteak is like it's like a personality thing. I got friends who get lettuce and tomatoes on their cheesesteak. Now I think that's ridiculous. But listen, <laughs> if, you, if that's what you like, and that's what you know, more power to you. So. Um, there's no right or wrong answer to your cheesesteak, um, but yes, I put ketchup and mustard on my steak, but you know, that's just me. Um, it is what it is. See, this totally validates me, which I love, and, and I've, I'm going to oh, now God. label you as, oh. you, this is like the fourth time you've been on with us, so you're officially, I think, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. So appreciate my, that. my question, my last question for you is this, Sayer. I, I think people and fans love your story, right? This is a city that, probably not unlike Philly, loves a guy that just like, based on bringing his lunch pail every day, works his way through the roster, which is what you've done. When you look at it now, and you're a leader of this franchise, you look at the young guys around you, and which one most reminds you of the young Zaire Franklin? Man, um, that's tough. <laughs> uh, you know, I just think um, for myself, uh, just the kind of just the journey that I had. Uh, I don't know. You know, I feel like I just had great vets, man. I've always, I've always had great guys to kind of base myself off of, and just really learn from um to be honest you know i love jojo um that's my guy young rook in the room um very humble man all about the grind uh love young grand obviously i love my young lb shagoon love the young lbs um and you know i think that's to be seen uh to be honest with you uh, i feel like we got a great group of young guys uh that came in especially the young rookies um obviously we still getting to know them they still getting to know me um, but, you know, I really felt like, you know, throughout my journey um, in the league, um, it was filled with highs and lows. You know, you know, every year, you know, I wasn't always, you know, slated to be, you know, this guy on the team. Sometimes I was just fighting to make the roster. Um, but I think 
uh, the best advice I got was from Rob Mathis, and he just told me, um, first of all, it's a marathon, um, not a sprint, and really just to run your own race. You know, you can't, you know, run, you know, the race looking at the other guys in the um, in the room and what somebody else is getting, what you're not getting. Um, and I really just think the guy that really just locks in and focuses on the grind, like just focusing on getting better every single day is just going to continue to separate themselves. But obviously I love the young LBs. Um, those are my boys, man. We got them in the room. We got a great young room. Um, beside, behind me, Shaq and uh, Speed, so definitely going to get a lot of the young LBs. Zaire, we'll end with this, and uh, really appreciate your time, especially amidst everything the last 24 hours this morning. Uh, but I want to give a chance to for you to kind of explain a little bit more about your foundation. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Shalise's Angels, am I saying that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, Shalise's Angels, from a financial literacy standpoint, taking some high school kids to Google headquarters. Just talk a little bit about you know what you, you've done w- with the foundation, because I think it's a variety of things, variety of ages that you're impacting here. Yes, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, so Shalisha's Angels is a, my nonprofit um, named after my mother. Um, you know, with the primary goal of really just, you know, trying to reach young kids, specifically young women um, from, you know, tough communities um, in tough situations and give them experiences that, you know, they may not have had the opportunity to reach any other way. So um, in 19, 2019, we took them to Google headquarters in New York City, a group of like 20 kids from uh, North Philly. Um, last year, we took them to Sixers uh, headquarters. They got a chance to meet, you know, the marketing side, the business side, the finance side, kind of learn how the how organization works behind that. This year, we took them to uh, Facebook, Instagram headquarters, Meta, uh, you know, that's the new name now, uh, Meta headquarters in New York City. Um, and as well, we also have a financial literacy component, um, just trying to teach the young kids, trying to give them tools that, you know, I wish I had. That's kind of more for the high schoolers. Um, we hosted a financial uh, literacy uh, academy in the stadium early this year in August at Lucas Oil. had some kids in Lucas Oil um, the first time and we did it in the locker room. It was a chance for them to come to the locker room, kind of see where we work at, see what we're about, um, and also probably get you know try to help them give them some tools to be better uh, adults and, and, and better individuals and give them a better chance of financial help. So, um, you know, obviously I'm, I've been doing, you know, community services for a long time. Being in a community is something that, like, I'm extremely passionate about. Really, who I am at its core, um, and you know, I just look forward to you know continue to do these things in Indianapolis and as Philadelphia, like, um, and just continue to try to help the kids, and whether that's experiences or whether that's tools that we're giving them, I'm um, just do our best, my do my best to try to help them out. Again, that is shalicesangels.org, S-H-E-L-I-C-E-S, angels.org. Zaire, I know we threw a lot at you in this uh, last 15, 20 minutes. Appreciate you handling it all, and uh, good luck these final two weeks of the off-season program, and we'll see you in camp. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. All right, that was Zaire Franklin right there. Again, thank you to him. Thank you to the Colts for having him still come on the show. Just He gets it at so many different levels. You know, I think he's a great personality. I think he understands what the game's all about. I loved its answer, by the way, on the kickoff rule. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. And then, of course, the Rogers stuff to lead things off. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you to Zaire for hopping on. He's very intentional with how he talks, too. Like, he doesn't just talk. He doesn't give you, like, player speak or coach speak. I would agree. He's very authentic. Yeah, I think uh, I think intentional is a really good word to use, Eddie. Um, he is that. And, again, he's going to play a huge role no matter what happens with Shaquille Leonard. Um, but yeah, thank you to Zaire Franklin for coming on. Ready for Twitter questions? I am ready, man. How should... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Colts handle the Jonathan Taylor extension dilemma. This is from Mark. Oh boy. Popular topic right now, right? Very popular. Um, So he asks, how should they handle it? Yes. Okay. Let's start there, because this is Kevin Bowen's opinion, not how I think the Colts will handle it. I would probably, I want to see nothing more than two or three years. I would agree. On the extension. Honestly, what I would do, Eddie, and this is totally discrediting the player, but I think the Saquon Barkley story, or even the Dalvin Cook story, lends credence to going down this path. I'd let him play out the rookie contract, and then I'd slap the franchise tag on him. See, that's just a dangerous game. I would do that. Um, you would like to think that would keep the player hungry because it would be a contract year this year, and then it would be a contract year, of course, next year. Also, tag. it could also make the player very, very upset because it's like I've done – I was the leading rusher in the NFL in 2021. Sure. Franchise record um, in 2021, too. So it's like pay me for what I've done for you. And that's a whole debate that you get into about how contracts should be and how that position should be. Um, I clearly understand that, Eddie. He can be as upset as he wants. At the end of the day, the film's not going to lie. You don't want to be too upset and let that impact your play as you're trying to cash in with 31 other teams. Yeah. Um, again, I, I realize that's a little bit of fantasy world to live in, and so that's where I go with the two- or three-year extension, which is kind of marrying my thought process versus what I think the Colts will will, will do. You know, Dalvin Cook, it was a five-year extension, right? Mm-hmm. And Minnesota's bailing on that with two to go. Two years left. That's what I don't want to see with with Taylor. And, I mean, we're talking about Dalvin Cook, dude. He just played every single game last year. He's a four-straight thousand-yard rusher. It was the first time in his career he played every game, too. But he hasn't been that injury-prone. Like, Correct. It's not like he's had two ACLs early in his career or anything like that. Like Dalvin Cook has been a guy that has been pretty healthy. Again, consistently thousand-yard seasons. Um, I think if you look over the last four years, I think he I think it goes Henry, Chubb, him in terms of leading rusher in the NFL. And Minnesota's win now. Minnesota's not looking at this like maybe the Titans will look at it with Derrick Henry or something like that. Um, There certainly is a calling card to extend Taylor longer than that because you're supporting Richardson. I definitely get that. But, man, it's just parents don't have your kids play running back. I think the Barkley thing might be more interesting, Eddie. Because when you look at Barkley, you're talking about the number two overall pick. A guy that just ran for 1,000 yards. He, he did have one ACL in there. But for the most part, he's been pretty healthy outside of that. He was a rookie of the year first year. Last year was a pro bowler. A huge part of the Giants getting back into the the playoffs. And right now, we have a contract dispute debate with the second overall pick on his second contract. Yep. Like, that is wild. You take a dude number two overall, you're not thinking four or five years into it and you get into a contract debate and you're, and you're uh, should he be part of the future? Zeke. Should he, should he not be part of the future? Ezekiel Elliott at what, four overall? Um, now, Zeke a little bit deeper into his career and a little bit older than Barkley, but still, like, you just don't draft those dudes where you do. They are great players without question. But, Eddie, I said it to you guys Friday when I hopped on your guys' show from noon to three. Name me the starting running backs of the last 20 Super Bowls. 
and show me how much money that they made. You realize Zeke is only 27? God, is he that young? That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, What is it? Leonard Fournette, right? I see the running back that has made the most over the last two decades. Super Bowl winner. Yep. So I think Taylor is a great talent. I think he's a great player. I think, honestly, Eddie, of all these running backs we've mentioned, Taylor could be the guy that maybe plays deeper into his 20s, maybe even past that at a really rare level. But to me, you could easily sit here and play the other side of devil uh, devil's advocate and say, wow, Kevin, you think that? Did you see how much wear and tear Wisconsin put him through in three years? That's a whole lot different than the amount of carries that other running backs that are coming out of college have. If, and then you can make the third down debate. Yep. He's not a third down guy. And so I think that plays into some of this as well. So, again, I wouldn't do anything over two to three years, Eddie. But I know the Colts are probably not going to go down that path. They would extend a little bit deeper. I don't think it's the end of the world if they would do that because, in my opinion, what else are you going to spend the money on? Uh, Because I'm just saying that with how Chris Ballard usually operates with money in general. But it comes back to the general Kevin Bowen philosophy that I always have when it comes to running backs in today's NFL. You don't draft them until round four. You don't you don't touch the position until day day three. You don't. You don't do it. Not at all. The guy I'm monitoring, if I am Chris Ballard, Nick Chubb. Not from like contractually stand a standpoint, but from like an efficiency standpoint, because very similar to Taylor, they will be they will both cross the two thousand attempt plateau this year between college and the NFL. Zeke is approaching 2,000. Uh, Leonard Fournette was just under 1,800, but he had started to lose his efficiency after he tore his ACL. Um, so I think that two... And then I think Saquon was in the 16, high 16, low 1,700 snap count in terms of attempts. So I think that's the... Ultimately, I think that's what the, is the deciding factor with all these is the tread on the tires and not being able to be on the hook for so much money with these guys as they get older. It's the wear and tear that I think is a really interesting debate you would have with these guys. Again, Taylor has the ankle surgery this past offseason. Eddie, that's the first time he's really ever missed at all. I mean, practice game, period. So... Again, I think Taylor's a dude that has been so proactive and taking care of his body, did that back in college, and so I could see the reason why he is unique. But you know, I would make the argument that that Pittman's a more important re-sign than Taylor is. I agree. I'm not saying he's a better player; he's not. But I think he's a more important re-sign. And when you view that position and how you go about attracting that position or finding peace. I mean, didn't Zach Moss had a 100-yard game to end the season? Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it, you don't have dudes fall out of bed and get 100 receiving yards or do that on a very frequent basis. You do get that at at running back. So, um, yeah, it, it, parents, have your kids grow up and play for the Live Golf Tour and become relievers in the major leagues. Don't have them play running back. Only four running backs right now making – $10 million or more, or should I say they have a cap Can hit. I guess? Of, they have a cap hit of $10 million or more, yes. Camara? No. No? No. Wow, I thought he was like one of the higher paid. Paid, yes, but cap hit. This, oh, this upcoming you're on cap scene. hit. Yeah. Oh, boy, okay, I, I could be off on this. Is McCaffrey still high? 
He is uh, just under ten million. Oh boy! So who would they be? Chubb. Bingo. Henry. He was second. He's first. Take a drive on seventy west. Uh, yeah, seventy east. Is it seventy or seventy four? Mixon. Yep. Seventy four. Seventy four. Yep. Mm. Who's the fourth? Tony Pollard. Wow. Obviously freshly inked. Yep. On that end. That can be up to five or six, depending on Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Interesting, interesting. You got any more on the Taylor front? Uh, I don't have anything more. I, I think it's a storyline to watch over the next month and a half. You know, totally agree. What do you do, JT? What do you do, Pittman? My expectation is the Colts want to extend both. I don't know necessarily the time frame on that, but I would be surprised if either of them were no longer a Colt. You know, 2025 and beyond. If the investigation finds that Isaiah Rogers Sr. bet against the Colts and did so because there was word of tanking inside the organization, Damon asks, what kind of evidence would need to be found and what punishment could the Colts see? Thanks, guys. Yeah, I I guess to be clear here, Damon, that was none of that was in the initial report, right? None. I mean, I mean, the initial report just said he bet on Colts games, but again, the details of what those bets look like, none of that was in there. So I do think that needs to be noted in there. Obviously, this opens up would open up a whole, whole different can of worms on that end. Um, so, you know, recorded evidence, I guess you would need. I'm trying to think of like what, what happened with the Dolphins um, side of it there. Um, boy, can you imagine if he was on the field for the, that final play of the Texans game? <laughs> Do you remember that play? Oh, yes. I felt so bad for Rodney Thomas. You know, because Rodney, that was that was a DeMar Hamlin week. Yeah. And Rodney Thomas had that pick earlier in the game, and he just he just mistimes it. But, I mean, it, when you watch that play, you could point to like three DB. I mean, hell, you want to go su- super conspiracy theory on this, Eddie? Let's do it. Let's do it for 90 seconds because we rarely do it on this podcast. Those D- Isaiah Rodgers was paying those DBs off to make that play. <laughs> How wild would that be? Well, I, would it be worth to pay off those DBs if you're only wagering like 50 to I know. The, $100? The, the amount of wagers might be the most shocking aspect. Like, Kevin Bowen, hand up. You know, I, I probably am betting that amount on golf. on, on I, Honestly, on a somewhat weekly basis, I needed Tommy Fleetwood to get it done yesterday. Shout out to Nick Taylor. Incredible putt there to end the Canadian Open. Um like, and I mean, look at me. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, I got two young ones, and I, I, I can't even imagine risk. Like, I get nervous pressing the send button. I mean, you imagine, like, the amount of nerves being like, oh, yeah, I'm risking my professional career with two young ones. I mean, we're talking, again, if you do the math. Two, he did, what, 100 bets, right? Yeah, two-ish million this year. Potentially, like we talked about earlier, if you map out a second contract, 12, 15 million, 18 million, something like that, for 25 and 50 dollar bets. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of speechless on it. The Damon, I don't believe, I, yeah, I'm not even going to go down this tanky route. I, I will give the Colts locker and benefit of the doubt. I, I don't think this is a prevalent thing within that locker room. I could be dead wrong. You know, when you see a headline like this, Eddie, I would say one of the more shocking things is, again, Rodgers one of the first couple names that popped in my head, but the other thought was, oh, this has got to be a practice squad player. You just don't think mainstream guys would jeopardize it. Yeah. 
you know, again, not to throw names out here, but like just look at the back end of the roster right now. Those are the guys that you would you would point to. I mean, Rodgers is a he started nine games for him last year. He's in line to start 16, 17 games this year for him. So, hmm. Scratch head. That's what I'm doing. I I lost my train of thought. See if we'll come back to me in a second. Uh, Tanner's uh, questions up next. I know it's not ideal, but could you see Julian Blackman sliding into the slot and Kenny Moore playing outside until we know what we have in the drafted guys? I wouldn't want to gamble on someone we bring in. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I understand the question, Tanner, and I do think there are some elements of it that make sense. I, I just would like long-term at corner right now to see what the youth could do outside, play outside corner. And now, I guess if you keep on going here with this sort of scenario, so if he's sliding Blackman to the slot, he's moving Kenny outside, I guess that gets Nick Cross on the field, right? That gets Nick Cross next to Rodney Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I probably, again, care a little bit more about outside corner and the development there, so I'm going to go no on that. But I understand the question. Um, Plus, I don't know if Kenny has the skill set to play outside all the time. You know, at at this point of his career, playing outside every snap. He's certainly done that at parts of his career, but I just don't know if I love that. Obviously, Gus Bradley is not a fan of that. Look at the type of you know corner that he that he goes after. So, uh, Tanner, totally get the question. Smart, but I'm going to go no here. I am. I'm interested in Julian Blackman as a strong safety. I always thought Blackman played bigger than his. than his, um, you know, size. Yeah, size. Thank you. Indicates there. I, I've probably been a little bit higher on Blackman throughout his career than than most. I I just I think he's got a really instinctual nature to how he plays the game, which helps you out, and obviously has probably played into why he's been so versatile. My thought came back to me um, earlier in the pod. You mentioned something about the Colts releasing Rogers. My guess is they're probably just waiting for that suspension to come down. That way, they don't have to pay him. Yeah, so I, I would have to look into all, all of that. So he's got one year left in the deal, right? Yeah. If he's suspended, does that freeze the contract? I'm sure it's suspended suspension without pay. Right. Freezes everything, and then once he's done, he can come back on that one-year deal? I'd, that'd be something to look into, yeah. yeah. Um, I get why they haven't made an announcement on it yet, Eddie. I, there's an element of the NFLPA, let the legal matter play out, all of those things, let the investigation play out, so... I, I'm not one of these people that are like, they haven't done anything yet. That's bull. I mean, y- y- you don't want to get into deeper waters than you already are. Uh, this Twitter. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. A question comes from Kevin, not you. In my opinion, at least I don't think it is. It could be your burner. (laughs) You you think I... I would like to think if I had a burner, it wouldn't be Kevin. Well, Kevin is such a... You know, a it's Easy not, it's not a unique. Say, it's a blah name. No, it's not a unique name. So it's like there, there's a lot of Kevin's out there. Nobody would, nobody would, you know, suspect it unless you changed. <laughs> besides changing, changing the last name. Fair. 
Uh, he says, in his opinion, I think the Colts' top three things they need to figure out in training camp besides quarterback are offensive line, the health of Shaquille Leonard, and the most dynamic wide receiver slash tight end lineup. Tell me I'm wrong. Also choosing between Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. was a close fourth. Hmm. No shock here. Great question from Kevin. Um, I think the O-line lineup is no debate, to be honest with you, though, Eddie. I mean, we, we've seen the five the last two weeks. I mean, it's... I mean, Emil Echior is your second team right guard. I don't know. Maybe that changes once your full pads come on. And Blake Freeland has been your starting right tackle. When Smith has been out. No, Smith, has yep. been, Smith was back this past week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's Ryman at left, and it's Nelson at left guard, and obviously Kelly... Man, that was a yawn. Unbelievable. We had a big party weekend for Rosie Bowen. And, man, we had Bluey on Saturday. Old National Center was rocking. Keepy Uppy was electric. I was just knocking the ball around, trying to do my best there. Big old party for Rosie yesterday. How was the pink cake? Fine. Uh, the pink cake worked out. Worked out. Yeah. Was it delicious? Did she like it? it Taste good? It was outstanding. She was pleased by that. Did nice. Almost ate the candle, uh, but. Did she like the flowers on it? Did blow it out. Everything checked. Everything good. Taylor Dad, get, Dad did a good job. Nice job. Outstanding service from them. Um, I would say to Kevin's question on O line though, Eddie, it's just the depth. Yep. The lineup's no debate. The depth, it's kind of like okay, that needs to be solidified. Obviously, Shaq storyline huge. Tight end pecking order, I would throw in there. You know a guy that we probably haven't talked enough about on this podcast, and I don't think he's got a starting job that he's necessarily competing for, but it's a position group that rotates a lot. He's a former high pick, and I noticed him several times on last Wednesday getting the best of Will Fries. I am eager to see Dio Dangbo. Yes. You know, we, we talked last week about Quiddy Pay in the pseudo-contract year, this is a contract year for Dio Dangbo in the sense of you are year three going into year four. Like in the offseason, they're going to have to sit down at a table and be like, all right, where are we at on Dio? Where are we at on Quiddy? Obviously, they have to make the decision on Quiddy. But Eddie, there's been guys in the Dio Dangbo second round pick range that have gotten contract extensions after year three. Yeah. In Shaq, in Braden Smith. Um, I feel like those are the two second. Was Naeem Hines? Hines wasn't a second rounder, but I think he was one that probably fit into that going into year four of his rookie deal. He got the extension. So Dio obviously would have to do a lot to get that. But again, it's just if you look at the Achilles as a total red shirt, you look at last year as, okay, he's now 18 months removed from the Achilles, is now the time where he really emerges. So again, it was one period of no full padded practice, but there were a couple plays where. I'm like, man, was that 54 again in there making a play? So how Dio Dangbo is, I think is a storyline to watch. Has Adi Tamiwa Adibari looked good at all? Yeah, I have not noticed him as much. Again, it's hard to... I just wanted to say his name. See, <laughs> Very very impressive. Uh, hard to see D-line D and O-line right now, but I haven't noticed him too, too much so far. Got it. Final Twitter question comes from Drew. Would someone like Taylor Lewan be a possible signing for the Colts given the semi-uncertainty surrounding the left tackle position. Am I just higher on Bernard Ryman than most people? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement to make, Eddie, in that 
I think I agree. Like, I think Ryman is worth a shot. Again, you don't draft him in the third round and not give him a shot. If you're going to draft a dude in the third round and he shows you a little promise like he did late in his rookie year, at some point you got to give him a, a full shot. And I think that's what this season's about. Especially with his inexperience. Right. He only played tackle for two years in college. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Lawan, I, I feel like he's always hurt. Not to mention, he's just, boy, he's always something. Um, I, I, I would say no. I mean, they're sticking with Lawan. Excuse me. They're sticking with Ryman. They're sticking with Braden Smith. And then Blake Freeland's probably the most important backup on the roster. That's how I view it. Obviously, Freeland entered the NFL idea with more experience than Ryman at both those tackle spots. Yeah. You know, Ryman was just a two-year star. It is, you know, Freeland was drafted last year, and so much hype was around that pick. Finally making a tackle investment post-Anthony Costanzo. It is kind of wild to think, where was Bernard Ryman officially taken? Was it like 67? I, I was going to guess 70 or 80 something. And what was Blake Blake Freeland? 100 and something? 106? That's what pops into my head. Gosh, Bernard Ryman is such a genuine individual. 77 for Ryman. 77 overall? Okay, and Freeland was what, 106 or something? So I guess basically a full round difference. Freeland, uh, 106th. So 29 spots different. On those two. I mean, when you boil it down like that, that's not a lot when you get into day three and day four. So it is kind of crazy how we have crowned, or I shouldn't say crowned, but we have certainly been giving Ryman this golden chance, whereas Freeland is not necessarily in that same boat, given how the depth chart makes out. So is there semi-uncertainty at that position, Drew? Yeah, but first off, Taylor Lewan is not coming here to be a backup. Taylor Lewan would come here and be a – he would want to start. Yeah. So you would have to look at it from that standpoint as well. Um, you, The future of the Indianapolis Colts will have serious, stunted growth if Bernard Ryman and or Blake Freeland is not the locked-in left tackle of the next decade. Yeah, you, you got to hit. You, you got to hit on one of them, and you can make a strong argument that the other one needs to be a, you know, kind of swing backup. So, yeah, that's how I view things. In conclusion, here I don't think we've talked about him a lot. Um, DeAndre Hopkins visiting Tennessee yesterday. Yeah, walk, last walk night. Me through that. So Tennessee and then New England. Yep. And, one? Yep. And then New England. I don't know when that one's coming up. I know they put something out on Patriots.com or whatever their website is. Is that he's coming there? So. I, I the question has started to arise more. Should the Colts explore the idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for signing a veteran wideout that has more on his resume than the rest of the room than Brashard Perriman. Um, yeah, I, I'm all for that. I'm a little bit more confused. I'm like, dude, DeAndre Hopkins, is this what you want? <laughs> Don't you just want to go to a? I mean, isn't he thirty? Part of my conspiracy theory here is that he's taking these visits to try and jumpstart other got teams it, got to it. get Create a little bit more of a market for him. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I said no to the exploration. Yeah. Because I said, it, like you just said, I feel like it would stunt the growth of your other wide receivers. Well, I, in like, yeah, I, but again, Eddie, supporting Richardson, I think means more. 
I agree. I I, I just think that is different than corner. And, and I'll go back to corner. Like I thought, Darius Rush had a really nice first week, but then we haven't seen him. Yep. These last two weeks, so it's like, oh boy, he's now missed out on like half of the spring, and. When you look at this rookie class so far, and I guess I'm going off in a little bit of a different different direction, but hear me out for a second. Outside of Richardson, Eddie, it's like we haven't even seen any of these rookies. Brents has missed the whole spring. Downs missed everything since rookie minicamp. Freeland and, and uh, Tommy play positions. I just copped out and said Tommy. Uh, they play trench positions, which is hard to see in, in the spring. Will Mallory's been out with a foot injury for seemingly the whole spring, and... Darius Rush has been out for two weeks. Do that. So And you're not paying attention to Tyus Leo or um Yeah, yeah I mean they're just to me, they are red shirt practice squad guys yep. unless chaos happens. So I, I'm not even Jake Witt. I, I'm I'm not even going there ju- just yet. Uh, but I guess to get back to the Hopkins question. Sorry for going down that path. All good. I would I would. I would entertain it. And, you know, part of me looks at Paraman and it is such a Kind of a sorry thought that I go here, but I did after looking more into his resume. I'm thinking, oh man, is he more of like the veteran mental dude for that room? Is he more of the dude that walks in there and says to Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, I did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I don't think I reached my potential because I didn't do these three things. You need to do these things early in your career. Because like his his resume doesn't scream help out Minshew or Richardson at all. Yep. And so now I'm thinking like off the field resume. More than anything. So, you know, Pierce would be the one, if you got Hopkins, it would stunt his growth more than anything. Obviously, yeah. Downs, you feel like it would be more of the slot. Um, so, I certainly hear you out on that end. And I, I, I'd also like to add in, I, I think it wouldn't provide a proper evaluation on Pittman either. In the final year saying. of his contract. I see what you're saying. I've probably committed into re-signing Pittman. And I know that again. I might be in the minority. I think I am. I don't know. Anyway. I'd resign him. Okay, but maybe, to maybe. me, it's just the amount of money that maybe you and I are both. I know, but dude, we, we we get in all this money, and my counter would be: what else does Boward spend it on? It's not like he spends it on anything else. True. Might as well. Who? who at, at some but like, point, like in terms of where he falls within the other yeah, wide receivers, to me, I know. But at some point, man, like. You just start playing football, and you don't really get into how much money these guys make. That's very true. You know, so it's an off-season discussion. It it's is. not really Welcome to June twelfth. Yeah. Shout out Rosie Bowen. Happy third birthday. Here we go. Eddie Garrison over there. I'm Kevin Bowen. Uh, next Monday, man. Sounds good to me. Recap. Put a bow on the off-season program. Uh, we'll see where we're at. Other storylines as well. Um, we might take a week or two off at different points in the off-season. But for the most part, we'll get into some nice off-season topics. You guys have any suggestions, you know where to find us. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We will talk to you next week at 1075thefan.com. All written coverage from Minicamp. See ya.